0: Thanks for tuning in to this week's sermon from Oak Hill Church in Humboldt, Iowa. We pray that it helps you to know Christ, grow in Christ, and sow Christ wherever you are. For more information about who we are and what we're doing, go to oakhillhumboldt.org. Got a Bible this morning. I invite you to turn to Psalm 84. Psalm 84. The Psalms are in the middle of your Bible. And if you don't have a Bible with you, the words will be up there on the screen in back of me. Psalm 84, and we'll get there in just a moment. Sometimes we forget that the Psalms, as the rest of the scriptures, are written into a context. And in this Psalm is a Psalm that is is written into a context where the people of Israel are making a journey toward Jerusalem to worship God at the temple. This is a pilgrim psalm, so it kind of recounts their their journey. And you can imagine just a large group of different families coming together and making the trek uh, on foot to worship at Jerusalem. And as they went along, they had their belongings and they had their supplies and they had uh, their camping gear and they would, they would stay overnight and they would continue on through uh, the journey and no doubt they grew weary and they grew weak and as they went along, they would sing this song uh, to encourage, to uh, cultivate this desire and anticipation to worship God. And so what I thought we would do Uh, to somehow picture ourselves there is I want you to stand and we're going to read through this together. So go ahead and stand right now. And as much as we can kind of picture us on a journey together, uh, we're going to try to do that. And we're not going to sing this. We don't know the tune, but we're going to say this. And so we're going to start off with the, the women. All right. Uh, girls, You're going to start off and you're going to read verses 1 to 4. And then guys, you're going to come in and read verses 5 to 9. And then all of us in unison are going to read verses 10 to 12. You guys ready? This, this is going to be epic. I, 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 can see, I can see it right now. All right? And so here we go, women. You're going to start us off. Ready? Read. How lovely. and then here we go. <coughs> Blessed are those whose strength is in you and whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord, God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Blessed is the one who trusts in you. You may be seated. So, as they made their journey toward Jerusalem, they were singing this psalm. Psalm is a longing for God. Just to kind of get you up to speed on where we've been, if you're new with us, we've been in a series called The Four G's Truths to Set You Free. And so far, we've looked at how God is great, so we don't have to be in control. God is great, so we don't have to be in control. Last week, we looked at God is glorious, so we don't have to fear others. And today, we look at this truth, God is good. God is good, so we don't have to look elsewhere. The lie that comes into our hearts is this question, is God really good? Can can I really trust Him? And the resounding truth from this text is yes, He is good. He is actually better than anyone or anything else. There's no place we would rather be than in God's presence. And so let's look at this psalm and how the psalmist longs for God. Verse one. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts! My soul longs, yes, faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. So we'll stop right there. How lovely. The word in the original language, nefesh, means to be desirable. Desirable. How desirable is your dwelling place? Again, you're picturing the people of God. They're singing this psalm and they're stirring up their hearts to worship and they're thinking about how lovely it's going to be to worship at the temple, to be in God's presence. How lovely, how desirable is your dwelling place. He goes on to say, my soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. Now, what is the soul? We have a body and we have a soul. We have this earth suit that we wear until our time is up here on earth. And yet the, the real us is our soul. Our innermost being. Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. All that is within me is a good definition of our soul. This encompasses our heart, our mind, our feelings, our emotions. This is all of our inner being. So the psalmist here, along with God's people, is saying, my soul longs, everything in me Longs for you, God. All of me longs for you. That's the heartbeat of this psalm. It's a psalm of longing, longing for the courts of the Lord, longing to be in God's presence. The deepest part of who I am wants to be near God, the living God. Verse 3 goes on to say, even the sparrow finds a home. And the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. At your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. So why why the mention of the sparrows and the swallows? I think the psalmist here is picturing these little birds, who are thought of as kind of really not very important, and they they found a home there at the temple. A nest where they're safe and secure and at rest. I think he's actually jealous of these birds. Jealous of those who are nearest to God. I want to be there, he's saying. I want to be in the presence of God. And that's where God would choose to dwell was in the temple. And so he wants to be as close as he can to God. I think this is also a reminder of the welcoming heart of God. If God is willing to welcome the smallest of creatures, surely he welcomes all of us into his presence, the welcoming heart of our great God. Verse 4 says, blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. And so now he's referring to most likely the priests who are offering themselves there and continuing to sing of God's praise, and he's envious of them. He wants to be there in God's presence. If you know the Old Testament, this system of the temple has been done away with now in Christ. Jesus Christ has come as our temple, as the meeting place where we can now come and meet with God. You know, in Hebrews chapter 10, it says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by this new and living way right that he's bought for us through Christ's death on the cross, so we can now draw near to God. We don't have to go to a certain place. Although he beckons us in corporate worship in the New Testament, you need to be gathering with God's people in order to be encouraged along this journey, as we'll see in just a minute. So, the psalmist's heart is a heart that longs for God. And I would have to think that on the journey, as the people of God are making their way all the way to Jerusalem, as they're singing this, it's cultivating in their hearts this longing. Because oftentimes, we don't have this longing. Here's, here's the tension in this text. and In fact, there's three tensions I want to draw out. Here's the first one. We have a longing for God, but we keep digging cisterns. We have a longing for God, but we keep digging cisterns. That's the tension in this text. God has given us longings in our heart, Eternity has been set in our hearts, we have a desire and a capacity for joy, we're wired for worship, and yet we turn away and forsake the living God for God's substitutes, for cisterns. It says in Jeremiah chapter 2, verses 11 to 13, uh, these important words, 12 to 13. Be appalled at this, you heavens, and shudder with great horror, declares the Lord. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. So the imagery here is God as this spring of living water, this, this fountain that, that flows to us. We sang today, Come, thou fount of every blessing. And we look at that fountain and we just turn our back away from the fountain. We forsake it and we start digging for ourselves cisterns. These cisterns were tanks for holding water. And yet it says here in this text, they were broken. In other words, they left you empty and unsatisfied. This is really the story of my own testimony. Uh, let me just give you a window into that. So I grew up going to church. I grew up um, as a pretty good kid. Uh, my parents would uh, you know, take me to church. I was baptized as a baby, confirmed in the church, um, doing what I was supposed to do. And, and I thought I was a Christian. I really did. I, I thought I was, I was a good person went to church. I, I believed in God. I knew the Bible stories I did what I had to do, right? And so as I made my way uh, through school and into high school, I had two big dreams in my life. And I know this is kind of uh, sad to tell you the reality of my dreams. Uh, One of my dreams was I really wanted to have a girlfriend, all right? So that was a big deal. And so I wanted to have a girlfriend. The other one was I, I wanted to be a really good football player, all right? And I wanted to be starting on the Linmar Lion football team. And so those are like the big dreams, okay? And if, if, I, if I had those things, man, I thought this was it. So senior year rolls around, and those two dreams came true for me. Uh, had a girlfriend, um, kind of, you know, more in the popular group, thought I was pretty cool, and was starting on the football team, and to make it even more embarrassing, I thought I'd just bring this anyway. Um, so this is my old jersey, all right? This is, this is it, guys, I know. If you want to sign it later on, you can. Um <laughs> So there's a D, Walter, of course, because I have a twin, so that's that's why we had to put the initial there so we didn't get get us mixed up. But I brought this because this not only symbolizes like the days of high school, it also symbolizes a lot of the idolatry of my past life, uh, before I knew Jesus. Um, Man, I put a lot of emphasis and a lot of my joy and happiness was contingent upon sports, and relationships. And so here's what happened in my life. I had the girlfriend, uh, had the uh, starting position on the football team, uh, but like all seasons do, uh, this football season came to an end and I wasn't like good enough to go on to play college football. And my girlfriend and I, uh, we broke up. And so there I was, I was, I was left with this, what do I do now? Because those were my Sources of joy, right? And, and now they were broken on me. A- and they left me with this sense of emptiness. That's what I put my, my, my fulfillment in, right? And it's this text right here. I was turning away from the fountain of living water and I was trying to find my joy and satisfaction, my happiness in other places, which only left me more and more empty inside. Thankfully, in God's great grace, he led me back to my youth group that I thought I was too cool to be part of, where they were going on a trip to Minneapolis where there was going to be a conference, and during that weekend, I heard a speaker share the gospel in a way that was very clear, in a way that resonated with me, and I knew that I was a sinner. I knew that Jesus Christ had come to die for me personally, and I I identified with that in a way that I'd never uh, felt before. And I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I trusted in him alone to forgive me of my sins. And there began just this passionate pursuit of Jesus. Just look back in those years in college. Man, I was just, I couldn't get enough of the Bible. I couldn't get enough of just being around other Christians. I had to go and share this message with others. My life had changed. Now, I wish I could say that from there on out, man, I was, a passionate Christ follower who always longed for God, who knew that God was good and never turned elsewhere again. But this text wasn't just for prior to my salvation. This text is today. This is for me now and for you even now. I looked back in Jeremiah 2, and it said these verses that I identified with in my present Uh, Faith walk. And it says in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 2, this is what the Lord says I remember the devotion of your youth. And I was thinking, yeah, I was was devoted, passionate, how as a bride you loved me and followed me. I want you just to hear the heart of God here. Sometimes we think of God as like this distant, like computer programmer in the sky. Here he is. I remember your devotion. How you pursued me as as a bride. You loved me and you followed me. In verse 5 it says this. What fault did your ancestors find in me? They strayed so far from me. Why did you stray away? Why did you turn your back upon me? What did I do? I'm right here. I love you. And as we're walking through this series, I don't know if I'm the only one, but I'm looking at this God is great, so we don't have to be in control. And I'm thinking, I still like to have control. I, I like to have things secure in my world. And I guess I don't believe that you're great enough, God, because a lot of times I'm worrying. God is glorious, so we don't have to fear others. Well, then why do I care so much about what other people think still? Why do I feel like I've got to win people's approval? Why is that the case? Do I not know that you're glorious and you're bigger? And and this one here today, God is good, so we don't have to look elsewhere. Then how come I still have this tendency, this prone to wander in me? Why is that? And God is so gracious, This is the tension of this text. We have a longing for God, but we keep digging cisterns, and he's so, so gracious to take us along a journey in our hearts, this journey of faith toward him. That's what he's doing here with this people of Israel. Look at verse 5 as we continue on. Blessed are those whose strength is in you and whose heart are the highways to Zion. So he's, he's speaking about how our hearts, we, we really want to now, we really want to move towards God's presence. If we're believers in Jesus, that's in us. We desire this. Our heart has highways to Zion. Zion was the place of worship, this holy city. And for us, it's the presence of God in Jesus. But look at verse 6. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. The valley of Baca, we don't know for sure where this was uh, geographically located, but we do know that the word itself means a place of weeping. And more than likely, this was a dry place, a desert place. And yet it says here in the text, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. So you can imagine, along this journey to Jerusalem, the people of God are going through this valley, and it's a metaphor for the hard times, for the dry times, for the times where we are weeping, times we are weary and weak, and we don't know what to do, and God leads us along this journey toward these valleys for a reason. Because in this place of weeping, he can turn it into a place of great rejoicing and refreshing. I don't know about you, but um, I have weeks sometimes where I feel like there's just a series of strength-zapping, challenging circumstances. Like a flurry of valleys. Text messages that come from friends, from church members, from family members, people who are passing away, sickness, my own wife getting into a car accident this past week. Just, and you feel so weak, and you wake up, at least I do sometimes, at like 3 o'clock in the morning thinking, how am I going to deal with this? I don't have the strength. I I don't know if I can wake up and continue on. And here is where God says, I'm willing to give you the strength you don't have. I will be there for you in the valley. I will bring rain in the valley. These desert places, I'm gonna have springs come up. I am faithful, I am a God Who will always supply what you need in those places of weeping and when you feel most spiritually dry and empty? God can bring rain and great rejoicing and refreshing. He's got purposes in His afflictions that He gives to us. I found this quote from J.C. Ryle, I identified with it. See if you can. Affliction is one of God's medicines. By it, he often teaches lessons which would be learned in no other way. By it, he often draws souls away from sin and the world which would otherwise have perished everlastingly. Losses and crosses are far better for us if they lead us to Christ. Thousands at the last day will testify with David, it is good for me that I have been afflicted. Can you say that? It is good for me. That I have been afflicted. Someday, I think when we step back in eternity, we'll be able to see the the beautiful mural that God has been painting in our lives, and we'll be able to see his hand. We'll be able to trace his hand in all the mysterious uh, afflictions. Why did that happen in my life? Well, he knows, and he's drawing us to himself. Verse 7, it says, They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. From strength to strength, day to day, this is a daily thing. Where do we find strength? We find it in Jesus. Probably one of the most misquoted or misunderstood verses in the the entire Bible is Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. More often than not, the emphasis is in the wrong place. I can do all things. Like we put that, you know, on the front of our minds. And then through Christ who strengthens me. It's kind of like a, an add-on, right? Like I, get yourself psyched up because you can do it. You can do all things. And Jesus is also there to give you a little strength along the way. No, no. Look at the context of Philippians uh, chapter 4, these verses. Paul says, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned, notice, Paul had to learn contentment. In whatever situation I am to be content, I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Notice, I can do all things through Christ, through Christ who strengthens me. For Paul, this was a process. He had learned the secret. He he had times where he was abounding. He had a lot. He had times where he had hardly anything. Physically, spiritually, emotionally, we can identify with that. And he says, I have learned. It's taken time for me to learn this. This is the secret. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's through him. He's the one who gives me strength. That's why I can face anything. It's Christ's strength and not my own. And by the way, we need one another to be reminded of this. Notice in verse 7, they go from strength to strength. We're on a journey together. That's why we need Sunday morning. Don't skip. Come. Make this the most important priority in your week. You and I need this. We will forget that God is good. We will isolate and think, man, he's been so distant from me, I'm going to pursue something else because I feel like he's not taking care of me. I'm angry, I'm anxious, because he's just not being good. And so we need to come here and be reminded again and again and again of the gospel, that he has been so good to us, right? And other people who are experiencing loss can actually give us personal stories. Hey, he's been good, even though it's been hard. And we're encouraged along the way, aren't we, to keep going, to keep pressing Further along in the journey, so we need one another. So, this tension of we're on a journey toward God, but we must pass through valleys. We must. We're on this journey, but we must pass through valleys. And it's there in the valley that God teaches us to draw even closer to Him. It's there in the valley where we see God is enough, Christ is enough, He will meet my deepest needs verse 10, we come to the climax of this song. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. Notice the word for. He's pointing back to this longing and this journey and this longing for God and this journey in our lives towards God. Why are we longing for him? Why are we making this journey toward him? Reason? Answer, God is better. He's better. He's so much better. There's no comparison, right? God is better than any other thing competing for first place in our hearts. Notice verse 10 says, "I would rather be I would rather be. I thought of the bumper stickers. I'd rather be fishing. I'd rather be, you know, you fill in the blank, golfing, crocheting. I saw one. Maybe there's a couple out there that would be saying that. I don't know how many. Um, But I would rather be. I would rather be, the psalmist saying, I would rather be with God. That's where I would rather be. I would rather be with God and his people. It doesn't even matter what my position is. Notice he says, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. I could have the lowest position as long as I'm with him. So so listen, young people, like my my kids are not here right now, but they will be next service. I want to just remind you, I I think this would be true of of your parents if they're following Jesus. It doesn't matter what you do for a living someday. It does matter that you follow Jesus Christ, right? Right? We want you to do what God has made you to do and and to work hard and to be uh, diligent and to be uh, a good steward of what God has given you. But hey, at the end of the day, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. I don't care if you're successful in the world, you're making all this money and you're looked at in the eyes of the world like, wow, he really made it, And, and you are far away from God. That's tragic. That's not success. And so the psalmist is saying, man, I want to be with him. I want to be with God. Verse 11, the Lord God is a a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. What the psalmist is alluding to is here that, 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 that God is our source of light and life and security and safety. He gives us grace and glory. He goes on to say in verse 11, no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. And that's anyone who is a believer in Jesus Christ who's blameless because of the righteousness of Jesus. No good thing does he withhold from us, Christian. That sometimes is hard for us to believe. Really? No good thing? So here's the tension again, another one. We experience the goodness of God, but we still doubt his goodness. How can that be? We experience the goodness of God, but we still doubt his goodness. So what do we do with this tension in really the entire psalm? Because the psalm is a longing for God, but if we're honest, this isn't our experience. Sometimes we aren't longing for God. Let me end by saying this. Only God can give you a longing for God. Is that encouraging for you? Only God can give you a longing for God. Some of you here in this room, you are not following after God. You're still living a life of works, trying to be good enough for God, and it's exhausting. You come here on a Sunday morning, and I'm so glad you're here, but deep in your heart, when you rest on the pillow that night, you're feeling either guilty about your day, you know better, you know you've sinned against this holy God. You might even feel pretty good. Hey, I'm better than most. Give me a break. But you know, as well as I do, is that you will be judged one day by a holy God. And he has come through his son, Jesus Christ, with good news. He says, you can't do it. You can't even stir up a longing for God without God. And so what he does in the gospel, this is the miracle of conversion, when he grants you the gift of faith, and perhaps he's doing it even now to say, I know I'm a sinner. I know Jesus died for me on the cross. I know he rose again from the grave and I want to give my life to King Jesus, just know this, if that's happening in your heart, God was the one who pursued you and moved toward you and gave you this longing for him, this new desire, I want God more than anything else, I can't be satisfied with the cisterns anymore, he's my fountain of living water. We sang it in that song, the line where it says, Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God, he sought you. You weren't seeking out him. If you're seeking him today, just know this, he's been seeking you. And he's coming after you. He loves you. It's like this little sheep that's wandered away. He, to rescue me from danger, interposed his precious blood. And he, he died for you because he loved you so much, took your place on the cross. That's the starting point. If you want a longing for God, give your life to Jesus Christ, and he'll stir this up in you, and he'll give you new desires for him. If you are a believer in Christ today, let me end this way. Only God can continue to give you a longing for God. And he stirs it up through his word, even Psalm 84, reading it, like even preaching it now is stirring up in me again, this desire for God, to worship God. But we need to be reminded of another verse in this same song where it says, Oh, to grace, how great a debtor, daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. What is a fetter? It's actually a chain. It's... It's one that was chained up to usually to, to a person's legs. In here, it's, it's used as a, a positive example to say that we are chained up to his goodness as Christians. He is not going anywhere. I've got you. I love you. And I will continue to give you grace for every step of the way. And so we're on a journey together. It's a journey from here to glory. And along the way, we're going to experience dry times, valleys. And that's why we need one another. I need you. You need me to remind one another of this great truth. God is good. He's good. God is good, so we don't have to look elsewhere. Let's pray. Father, we are so needy and weak And at times, we have no strength. And yet, you pick us up. And you give us what we don't have in ourselves. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Thank you that you've given us this church family that we don't have to walk alone. That we can encourage one another, reminding each other of your goodness. So, Lord, even... This week, when we're tempted to be drawn away to something else for satisfaction, would you remind us that you are better than anything else, and you are the only one that can satisfy the deepest longings of our soul. So help us individually and as a church body to keep pursuing after you. We love you. In Christ's name, amen.